ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back with another episode of 1% Better, your favorite Colts podcast from The Athletic, I hope. Anyhow, the Colts are coming off a bye, and they're ready to get back to some football. Uh, they got some rest, and they will get some players back, we think. We'll know a little bit more uh, during Wednesday's practice. We're recording this on Tuesday, but uh, I think it's a good time, Zach, to kind of look at where they are in terms of what this season's all about, right? Every season is about getting to the playoffs, right? And yeah. it's early. It's only six games in, but I think we're starting to get a sense of what the AFC South looks like. So I want to use today to kind of reset the AFC South. Uh, we we got a good look at the Titans this past weekend. I was able to watch them really, you know, in depth for the first time in a while. So that was educational. Uh, so let's talk about this. So the Colts, they are 4-2. and two. Going into a game at Detroit this weekend, Tennessee five and one, uh, their first loss this past weekend to the Steelers. Let's just sort of size this up. Uh, do you see this? I think it's pretty clear at this point. This is a two-team race, is it not? Is there anything I'm missing? It's absolutely a two-team race. Houston is one and six. What is that about? <laughs> My God. I mean, but yes. there's talent on that roster, but they're terrible. And I'm not saying Houston can't come in and, and beat the Colts or maybe even beat the Titans in their last meeting of the season. But, you know, for the playoff, the the, Titan, the Texans are written off. They're done. Jacksonville's 1-6. Yeah. They beat the Colts in week one. They lost six straight. You know, water <laughs> always finds its level, right? Um, go figure. The Colts go ahead and drop that one in, in week one. Um Two-team race, and, and I think it's Tennessee's to lose. I think they're the best team in the division right now, and they've proven that. Um, they lost a close one to maybe the best team in football right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the Tampa Bay Bucks are right up there and a couple others. But um, the Colts are going to have to earn this, and it's going to come down to these these two games. They see the Titans in 17 days, and it's going to come down to November. And, and until the Titans give it up, I think they're the best team right now. But the Colts for all the mistakes they've made early in the season, and there have been a couple, they have put themselves in position to do something, which is what you want with the first six of the weeks of the season. They go to Detroit on Sunday, and then they have an absolute murderer's row schedule after that. They play the Titans twice in a four-week span, and in between those games against the Titans, they play the, the Baltimore Ravens and the Green Bay Packers. So it's going to get really fun really quickly. Um We'll see what the Colts are made of, but they put themselves in position, which is what you want from the first six weeks of the season. All right, so let's get a little more specific. So here are the Titans. I know you watched that game. I did as well. Uh, they are, as I said, 5-1. and one. I think the question for me is how good are the Titans? They're, I think they're good. I think the question is how good, right? Are they are they good? Are they very good? Are they elite? And that's let's get into that, right? So they have beaten – just for the listener's knowledge, in case you don't know, they have beaten Denver, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Buffalo, and Houston. So not terribly impressive list of opponents, right? right. So much like the Colts. So so that is what I think this is kind of a conversation. I think the Buffalo win was a good win for them. Yeah. Buffalo have been playing really well. So I give them a lot of credit for that. Those other games in there, those are some bad teams. Those are really bad teams. No question about it. Jacksonville, Minnesota, Denver's not going anywhere. Houston's certainly not going anywhere, as we've already de uh, described. So so they have a little bit in common with the Colts in terms of their competition. Now, they've played better, I think, but in terms of Tennessee, I think they've played better. 
But I but I do think it's interesting. Um, and then they also like the Colts. They have a tough schedule ahead, so they've got to play the Colts twice. Those are tough games for them on from their perspective. They got Cincinnati, who can certainly light up the scoreboard. Uh, they've got the Bears, toughest defense maybe going right now. Uh, even though they can't move the ball, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Oh, oh, that's painful. But anyway, they've got the Ravens. They got Baker Mayfield and company. And they've got Green Bay as well. So they have a tough schedule to go. And I think very much like the Colts, I think we'll learn more about Tennessee as we move forward. But what are your? give me your thoughts on Tennessee just as you see them right now. What kind of team are they and what's their – you know what? What's that's the what's possible? I guess for them, I guess is my question. I really like the way they're built, and I really like the way they're coached. I really think they mirror the Colts in this regard. They're up front, and they lost Taylor Lewan, and that's going to hurt their left tackle. Yeah. He's really good, and that's what really helped them elevate last year, late in that playoff run. Right, Derrick Henry went crazy, but why did he go crazy? One, because he's a freak, but two, because they're two tackles: Jack Conklin on the right. The one on the left were really good edge setters. I mean, really, really good. They were opening those holes, and 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 Taylor is is just a monster. So that's what they are. You know, they're not anything more than you think they are. They're going to run the ball really well. They're going to play really, really stubborn defense. And Tannehill's better than you think he is. He's really, really good. The numbers back that up. He can win you a game with a really good run game. So I don't think the Titans are anything of a surprise. Uh, they're just well built and well coached. Um, but let me ask you this. The Colts have not had that much trouble with the Titans over the years. We know that Andrew Luck never lost a game to them, and th- there's a lot that's changed, right? It's starting with the quarterback in Tennessee. But last year the Colts split with the Titans, and the Colts went down to Tennessee in Week 2 and won. And it's not like the Colts were a playoff team last year. So does that change? Do you, do you look at this game as – I just feel like we've seen so many Colts-Titans games over the years that the Colts have been able to pull out in the end. Is that over? Is this a different Titans era? Or do the Colts still have a little bit of a mental edge over that team? I think there's been enough evolution between the two teams that it's not the same. You know, I, I think that the last time I would say – the Colts maybe had that type of edge was maybe two years ago yeah. when uh, the Colts went down there in week 17 with basically the playoffs on the line, winner take all, and the Colts went in there and just pounded them. Maybe not on the scoreboard, but it was it was an absolute dominant performance. Mm-hmm. That that was a that was a fun night actually. That primetime game, a winner take all. I mean, it was a true play in game. Yep, and and I think that was. That was sort of the the historic Colts versus Titans performance, which is the Titans, you know, were scared to death. <laughs> okay, they would never admit it, but they probably didn't have a lot of confidence because why would they? You know, they had never beaten Andrew Luck. They had never really defended their home field. If against I remember, this team. Marcus Mariota was out of that game, and I don't yes, even know true. who That's started true. quarterback, so they just didn't have a shot. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. <laughs> So, so I think you know. Last year, when the Colts went down there, even though they won that first meeting, Andrew Luck wasn't there anymore, right? So he was out of the picture. Jacoby Brissett played. I think that sort of reset things a little bit, and it gave it a, a different feel. Mm-hmm. Now Mariota didn't play well, and and the Colts made enough plays to get it done. But but that's that's changed. I think honestly, I think Ryan Tannehill has changed it. I think that inspiration you get from a quarterback who can make plays. 
and I think there are better quarterbacks out there certainly than Ryan Tannehill, but but he has the ability to make a play when you need it. And I think that is just everything for a team that has a lot. I mean, they they aren't maybe the best at anything that they do. <laughs> okay? Like yeah. I don't know if the Titans are 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 number 1 in the NFL in anything. But the one thing they're really good at is they can do everything. You know, they can they can certainly play defense. You know, they have some weaknesses there, but they can play defense. They can run the ball, they can throw the ball. They get it done pretty much everywhere you need to get it done. So, uh that's interesting to me. I think that that gives you confidence in every game you play. You know that no one part of your team is really going to be at a huge disadvantage. So you can compete with anybody when you have that. And then when you factor in the quarterback situation that they have, which is a guy who can make a play when his team needs it and and really at times has even put the team on his back a little bit, he can do that. So that gives you yeah, that gives you the ultimate confidence. Um one thing I was gonna ask you is um the, it's it's really interesting. I was going to point this out, and you can comment on this if you want. I mean, they're scoring, okay? They're averaging 31 points a game. That's second in the NFL. And I think that's where that's where they have an edge over the Colts, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the Colts can't – They I shouldn't say they can't do it, but they don't do that. They do it against bad teams. They do. They this don't do it against bad good team. teams. Yeah, and I, I just wonder. I think that is where this is going to be sort of decided, you know? Can this Colts defense, when these teams meet, and they will twice, can this Colts defense keep that in check? You know, because their offense is going to have to go out and, and match whatever Tennessee does, and, and I think that's going to be really interesting to me. Um, I don't know. What What are your thoughts on that? I mean, is is this a is this an offense that scares you, Tennessee? Yeah, it does, and here's why. I do buy the Colts' defense. Six weeks in, I've seen enough of a sample size, and I know they haven't played the best quarterbacks in football, but I'm buying the defense. I don't know if they're going to finish in the top three in every category after Week 17 like they are right now, but I still I just, I just believe in the defense. I believe in Buckner up front, and they're getting Darius Leonard back this week, by the way, where they haven't had in two weeks, and I'm buying the secondary. Xavier Rhodes, man, he's for real. Um I believe the defense will travel. I believe the defense will bring it in November and December. They won't be perfect every week, but I think it's going to be good enough to give them a chance to win these big games. What gives me pause is the offense. We saw them do it against the Bengals. We've seen them do it against the Jets and the Vikings. And I just I just don't know if it's going to carry over. I don't know if they're going to be consistent enough and be able to score enough points. If they do, all the credit in the world to them. But right now... Philip Rivers' breakout day against the Bengals is an anomaly. That's the one that stands out because he wasn't the reason they beat the the Vikings and the Jets and the Bears. He wasn't the reason they won those games. He was the reason they beat the Bengals. But um, to beat the Titans, they're going to have to score because the Titans score. And the Titans are still going to put up 20 points against the Colts defense. I expect that. And are the Colts going to be able to score 24, 28 against that defense? We'll see. But I just haven't felt that yet but one thing I wanted to mention about you know you go down and cover these games in Nashville every year the last five or six or seven years every time I walk in that stadium and maybe this is just me but I don't know how you feel I feel like the Colts are probably going to win the game there have been varying circumstances but I I've never seen the blues there so why would I feel exactly right I know Seven years I don't know what strong. that feels like. <laughs> and, I mean, they lost more with, with Peyton Manning at quarterback than they did with Andrew Luck, which is crazy. crazy. But um, yeah. think about that compared to when you go to Foxborough. I just feel like there's no hope. 
you pull in the parking lot in Foxborough, it's gray, <laughs> it's cold, it's rainy. And you watch, yep. it just, you don't feel like they're, like, same with Pittsburgh. How many games have we covered in Pittsburgh and they've gotten blown out? Well, it's yeah, become, it's the same, it's the opposite effect, right? I've never seen them lose in Nashville. I don't know if I've ever seen them win at those places. So, yeah. Personally, and, 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 like, I've never personally seen them win at And those I places, don't know so. if this matters at all, and it probably doesn't. But I just feel like Thursday night, in a couple of weeks, when we go down to Nashville and watch the Colts, national televised game, big game, AFC South. Huge on the line in, in a lot of ways. I feel like the Colts are going to be ready, and I feel like they're going to have a lot of confidence, and I feel like they're going to play pretty well. Maybe that's just me. That's just a gut feeling in the back of my mind. Um, they seem to play well in Nashville. They seem to play well on Thursday night games, um, and, and we'll see. But I like the way the Titans are built, but I think it's a fascinating AFC South race. I do believe the Titans are in the playoffs. I just think they're good enough to be a playoff team right now. Remember, there's seven teams that go this year instead of six. Yeah. I think the Titans are in. I don't know if the Colts are in. The Colts are going to have to earn it over the next six, seven, eight weeks. Yeah, the seven berths does help the Colts. I think. Um, you know, if you if you listed the top seven teams in the AFC right now, would you put the Colts in there? I mean, probably. But does, they're does probably that mean six or seven or eight. They're toward the bottom, sure, but but they're probably on the list, and I think they've got a shot. Look, I mean, if they handle their business, they're going to get in. That's what it boils down to. I mean, we know the games they got to win. We know what they are. Uh, what's interesting about this this Colts Titans situation is it's it's what a lot of coaches refer to as good on good. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, what's the Colts' strength right now? Well, it's not their offense; it's that defense you just talked about, right? And what is the best thing that Titans got going? It's their ability to go out there and put points on the board. So it really is, a, as you said, it's fascinating for just the fact that it's it's a two-team race and they're going to play twice going down the stretch. But it's also fascinating because their strengths, they match up. And it's going to make this really interesting in terms of who comes out on top. You know, And I think there's going to be a lot of strategy involved in terms of deciding how these games go. You know, Who calls the better game? Who makes... The better calls and makes or has the better game plan that is going to be a factor here as well. So coaching is going to have a lot to do with or a lot to say about how this goes too. So I, I really think it's interesting. Uh, the Colts against Derrick Henry kind of interesting. I went back and looked at this four games against Matt Eberflus's defense for Derrick Henry. He's got one 100 yard game, and yeah. that was the the second meeting last year where the Colts kind of fell apart i believe that was like a 33 to 17 game titans pretty much dominated the entire second half yeah it was a it was actually a nip and tuck game until i believe that that sort of uh special teams disaster in the third quarter if i recall uh where the titans got a a field goal block i forgot about that you know what i blocked out a lot of the the last five games (laughs) last year it it actually happened that day yeah it was bad yeah and and that was actually critical because what happened? Uh, a couple plays later, they went deep to the receiver in the slot. <laughs> you know, so it, it's kind of interesting. So, like I said, it, it really is a good on good situation, and uh, I'm really interested to see it. it it's going to be fun for the Colts. You know, they've been talking a lot, Zach, the last couple of days about self scouting. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming off the bye, and what do you do during the bye week? You you figure out what's good, what's working, what's not working. Do a lot of that because you have some time on your hands. So we should do the same thing. Um, I think, or let me ask you what you think. What is uh, what is this team? Let's just look at what they've done so far. What's this team's best win so far? Would you say it's the Bears? 
or their most impressive win? What 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 is it so far? Good question. Um, it's the Bears. Not a lot to choose from, right? Yeah, and that's why it's a hard question. I think it's the Bears because they they won in a way that really sold me on on them being able to win the tough games down the stretch. And mm-hmm. I know that the Bears are absolutely abysmal on offense. We saw that last night against the Rams, but. The Colts dominated in a way I haven't seen on defense in a long, long time. And they can do that again, and they probably will a couple times. So um, when they get Darius back and they continue to grow in the secondary, I mean, DeForest Buckner, I think, should be in the conversation right now for Defensive Player of the Year. His numbers back it up. Totally Um, agree. That's important, and we've heard this from Frank Reich. We've heard this from Phillip Rivers. We've heard this from a a bunch of different guys over the last couple weeks, like – like, look, we can win in a bunch of different ways. And I thought this was a good point from Jack Doyle yesterday. I said, Jack, why is this team different right now at 4-2 and two than they were last year at 5-2? and two? And I know that different quarterbacks and there were different pieces on the team, but Jack thought about it, and he was like, look, we've won in different ways. And he felt like last year they won a lot of close games, and this year they've had to win close games. They've won blowouts. They've won with defense. They've won with offense. That's good. That's what good teams do. You have to win – a lot of different ways and you have to learn how to do it a couple different ways so that's going to help them down the stretch i don't think we're going to have a collapse like we did last year i think one they're a better team and two they learned the lessons from last year but that'll be fun and and the the worst the worst thing that's in the back of my head is is just i feel like rivers can beat you i feel like rivers can make the mistakes and i just feel like they're one interception away from from a just a, a huge turn in the game, and that 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 Browns game just stays seared in the back of my memory. And I think fans are probably the same way. Do you trust Philip Rivers? I don't know if you can answer that quite yet. No, I think that's life with Philip Rivers, and you know we've You're talked exactly about this. right. That's what it's like. <laughs> Is he can be he can be one personality or the other personality, and sometimes he can be the, the same guy or he can be both guys in the same game you know and yeah. that's where it he could be the same guy really, yeah he could be the same guy two different series you know it's right right and so that's that's got to be nerve-wracking as a fan i get that but at the same time you watch that cincinnati game and you're like holy mo you know it's like this guy can make some make some plays you know i mean we saw the ball stretch down the field like we haven't seen so far we it looked like you know, old school San Diego a little bit, right? And so, it's it's really it's a roller coaster, I guess, is what I'm saying. And the Colts, but they knew this. The, the they signed up for this. Mm-hmm. They knew he was going to make some head scratching plays, and he has. But I still think they're probably in a better shape they were at the position they were last year. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, they I mean, can, because they get more of the alternative. They get more of the game changing plays. And I feel like we didn't see those from Jacoby last year, especially so. Late. Right. So what he'll do, what Philip Rivers will do is exactly what you saw on Sunday, which is he will provide you with so with some of those aggressive plays or just really good decisions and downfield throws. And they're, they get offset sometimes, right? We've seen that too. And that is frustrating as those other plays are ex- exciting, right? There's one extreme to the other. However, I think they, I don't want to say they cancel each other out, but, but it, you end up somewhere in the middle. I think the problem with Jacoby Brissett was he'd give you some really good plays, really good decision-making, not a lot of yardage necessarily. Yeah. But that's okay if you run the ball. But the difference with him was when he had the bad plays, he couldn't necessarily overcome them with big plays. So Phillip can do that, and as I said, even in the same game at times. And, and I think last week 
against Cincinnati to start that game. I mean, he wasn't moving the football very much, but that changed and he pulled it together and they were fine. I mean, it wasn't all, it wasn't necessarily all his fault and the defense was giving up some plays. But my point is, he wasn't exactly throwing the ball all over the place either in the first quarter of that game. So I just think that he can offset the bad with some really big plays. Jacoby Brissett had a harder time doing that. He didn't make as many bad plays, but he also didn't make many big plays. I wonder where so, the fans come down on this because you're you're the guys you're the, you're the fans out there that are living with every throw, right? And it's got to right. be an emotional roller coaster at times. It's got to be a lot of anxious moments. But I think for the most part, and I don't want to speak for them, but I think for the most part they would rather live with Rivers and the aggression and live with the mistakes because you're going to take some chances and it's just anything but what we saw last year in December, right? That check down, boring, predictable, lean on a run game that wasn't there because they were stacking the box against you. And that's just not how you win. That's not how you play football. I don't think Frank Reich liked that. I don't think he wanted to play like that. And I think that was the impetus behind going out and paying Phillip Rivers what they did. Like, we're going to live with the mistakes, but we're still going to be able to take some chances and play the kind of football we want to. Now it's going to be fun because you're going to see him go toe-to-toe with Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Ryan Tannehill in the next month, and Matthew Stafford on Sunday, who's excellent. Um, you know, Can he still hang with the young guys? Because he's getting up there, um, but this is what we haven't seen yet. We have not seen the Colts face an elite quarterback, and, and we're going to see them play a lot in the next couple of weeks. And I think that's going to impact the way Frank Wright coaches too, because I, I do believe in the first four or five games of the season, uh, you saw a coach who I think was a, he took his foot off the gas pedal a little bit at times, which yeah. is not like him, but I, I but think it's I, hard to watch you? them. Like in, in France, yeah, yeah, yeah. like with that yeah, defense, absolutely. like the Vikings aren't moving the ball at all. The Jets can't move the ball. I would play more conservative and just let the yeah. defense dominate. I wasn't even critical of it. Right. Yeah. I thought it was the right play. But I, I think he'll he'll adjust. I mean, he will do what he needs to do. And if you go down swinging, you go down swinging. But I think you got to take your shots. And I, I think they're going to do that. The, the one good thing is, and I talked to Nick Sirianni about this earlier, the offense coordinator. And I, I think this is true. We forget that Phillip Rivers now has, what, six games under his belt in this system. I know, I know, I know. They told us over and over and over, yeah, it's the same thing. He'll be fine. It's easy. It'll be, a, it'll be an easy transition. That's not entirely true. I mean, number one, it's an entirely different team. He's never played with any of these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at T.Y. Hilton and how difficult it's been for him to really be productive this season. I still think he's he's giving them something. I think he's given them a lot, and I, I wrote about that this week. But, but, I, but certainly, I mean, if you look at T.Y.'s numbers, I mean, they don't do anything for you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're just they're just sort of ho hum, and I think that speaks to it. I mean, he doesn't have that sort of synergy with Philip Rivers, and Philip distributes the ball more too, which is a factor. But but again, I do think that's an example of what I'm talking about. I mean, now you give them three and four years together, okay? That would look very different, probably. You know, right? So I, I think that over the course of the season, not T.Y. Hilton specifically, but just generally. Uh, Philip Rivers' ability to be productive within this system with this offensive line and knowing those guys, I think that can only get better. So so that is some upside that, that Colts do have that maybe not every team does. I don't, don't know how much it's going to pay off, but but it is there. Speaking of the offense and self-scout, don't you feel better about the receiving core now than you did two weeks ago? Because mm-hmm. Marcus Johnson is, is stepping up. 
like he always does, and he's got a permanent role on the team, and he's not bouncing back and forth between the practice squad and the active roster, it's time to keep throwing him the ball. Throw 83 yeah, the ball. Oh yeah. and, and, and I know T.Y. is not changing the games. He's not taking over the defense. He's not hitting those over-the-top plays. He could still he could still contribute in a big way. And I still feel like we're going to see a couple of big days from T.Y. down the stretch. You're seeing more from Trey Burton, like what you saw against the Bengals. That's exactly what they brought him here to do. You've always got Zach Pascal, and Zach will always step up and make a play every once in a while. That helps. And oh, by the way, Michael Pittman's back at, at practice this week. And maybe he plays Sunday, maybe he doesn't. But, you know, you need to get him in there as much as possible because he's a guy that can move the chains as well. So no Paris Campbell, but I do feel better about this receiving situation right now. And you got Moelle Cox probably coming back as well pretty soon. So, you know, it wasn't all on Phillip Rivers early. And the receivers needed to step up. And it wasn't just Phillip Rivers who stepped up against the Bengals. We saw a lot of those complimentary pieces step up. And like you said a minute ago, Rivers loves to get the ball and just distribute it. Receivers, tight ends, it doesn't matter. Um, if those guys continue to develop, and remember, I mean, they didn't have an offseason. They didn't have a tra- you know, they didn't have preseason games. Rivers is still a new quarterback with these guys. So that rapport is developing with each of them. You started to see it in the Bengals game. And they're going to continue to get better on that front. I really do believe that. And that will help them as they try to put up some big numbers against the Packers, the Ravens, the Titans, you know, those offenses that can really put up points. You mentioned Trey Burton. I would say I want to specifically shout out Trey Burton because I was kind of, I kind of took a swipe at him a couple weeks ago. and It wasn't intended to be a swipe, but maybe it came off that way. I was kind of like, why are they forcing the ball to Trey Burton? Because he's it not making make any sense. plays. No, or it's like, can you stop doing he's that? He's not please? open. You're getting three yards off of each catch, right? right? Like three clouds, three yards and a cloud of dust to your tight end, right? That's the plan, you know. But anyhow, my point is, he really showed. I thought in this past game why he's here and what they saw, and I and we saw it too. We saw it in training camp before the injury, but I just think it was going to take time. He he had been out for a while. He wasn't himself. He certainly wasn't very crisp and and wasn't in sync. His hands were kind of questionable, mm-hmm. maybe the first week or two. But I thought he really, I think, stepped up and, and showed why he's here and what he is capable of. That guy, I'm going to tell you something. Trey Burton is basically a wide receiver. Yeah, that's how that Frank guy can run. Yeah, that guy can run. And it, it's interesting. I went to uh, Frank Reich and his wife had that charity event the other night. Uh, and I went, and Trey Burton was there. And of course, we haven't been in the locker room with these guys, so I haven't had a lot of time up close with them, you know, out, out of uniform. And I gotta say, I, I looked at Trey Burton. I met him for the first time. I was like, he's not that big a guy. It was kind of like yeah. surprised that it, it took me back a little bit because I mean, not as tall as I thought, not as big as I thought. I mean, if you told me he was a wide receiver, I'd be like, yeah, he looks like a wide receiver. So yeah. he basically is, and I think that is why Frank like sort of talks about him and views him in the way that he does because he plays like a wide receiver. Watch him run his routes. I, I really see it. And so anyway, I, I just think he's he's an important piece. And Michael Pittman is huge. I mean, they drafted this guy. He was their first pick for a reason. Okay, so Michael Pittman, getting him back, may, like you said, may or may not be this week, but Michael Pittman coming back is absolutely massive because I just think he gives them something on third down in particular where we started to see that. Yes. In the, the the first or the, excuse me the last game that he played, we started to see that come, where okay, it's like I see why he's here. So when it's third and six, 
and and they're in your face uh, playing you at the sticks at the first down marker, you know that you can throw him the ball in spite of that tough coverage and he can make that play. So I get it. I get it. And I think they're going to get better in the passing game as the weeks go on. And, and, and Pittman is, is what they don't have. It's why they drafted him. Yeah. It's what we talked about in April and May and June. They needed that big body target. And it's not necessarily Trey Burton like you just said. And I can guarantee you, Frank absolutely thinks of Trey Burton as a receiver. That's what he thought of Eric Ebron. And Ebron had those 14 touchdowns in 2018. And Burton is not Ebron. He's not going to put up those numbers. But Burton had two touchdowns against the Bengals, and and they were huge. So every little versatile piece that Frank Wright can find, he's going to use to his advantage. And I think getting Pittman back fills that need, right? Those third down throws, those third and sevens, you know, that mostly used to go to Jack Doyle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Pittman's big enough to be an easy target. We know Rivers loves the big targets over the middle. Um, that's huge to have. And, and you saw Jack Doyle make some plays, which was good because he really came back from the dead because he wasn't a factor in the passing game the first five, six weeks of the season. Um, and I, st- I still, I just, I got a feeling we're going to have another 100-yard day from T-Wide one of these days. I feel like eventually if the offense gets rolling and enough attention gets paid to the other weapons, remember Moelle Cox is a guy that can have a 100-yard day as well. T.Y. is going gonna, is gonna to turn back the hands of time and, and have one of his big days again. And, and, and if you're the Colts, you really hope it's against one of these really good teams because that could be the difference. Yeah, T.Y. is is primed right now, I think, for a big day. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be one of those Jonathan Joseph-type matchups because yeah. there's only right. one Jonathan Joseph, and and T.Y. certainly has his number. But, but look, like, are you? He, let me ask you this. Are you, like, worried? Like, I'm not worried about him physically. No, I feel like he's open. No. I feel like it's just, you know, I feel They're like it's going to come. They're not featuring him. They're yeah. not featuring T.Y. Hilton. That is definitely true. And I got to tell you, look, I – I mean, I went back and I watched every snap of that Bengals game for the piece that I did. And I, I really went into a lot of detail in watching this. And it was I'm glad I did it. It, it took a while and it's painstaking and all that. But I'm glad I did it because I was kind of not sure about T.Y. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't worried, but I was kind of thinking, okay, I mean, at some point, right, the guy's got to make a play here, right? Now, two things. Number one. He still leads them in receiving yards <laughs> without even really doing anything. Yeah, and think how many he more he'd have receiving. if they wouldn't, you know, all the DPIs yeah. he's had. You know, and then he had a touchdown called back because Anthony yeah. Costanza was illegally down the field. Like, there's a lot of that with T.Y. this year that's not going to show up. He's been more effective than it seems. Yeah, he, so as I said, he's got he's leading the team in receiving yards without really even having a, a vintage game. So that's number one. Number two, they're not featuring him, which is fine because – as long as they make plays, but I do think they could do a better job featuring some of their guys, right? Like, why are they? Why aren't there more plays that they haven't like gone to Jack Doyle, like him being your first option because yeah, he's really like good go to in those him for seven yards right? on first down. Then it, you know, yeah. everything's downhill after that until you get the next first down. Yeah, so I think they could do a better job in situations of of dialing stuff up for their guys and their guys being guys like that, you know, guys who have been dependable and have made plays for you in the past. But be that as it may, uh, without even doing that, T.Y. has still had an effect. And, I mean, sometimes he's taking two receivers down the field with him and clearing it out for Zach Paschal, okay? And, you you know, you see Zach Paschal go up and he's wide open, and you're like, huh, how'd that happen? Well, it happened because T.Y. Hilton's 40 yards down the field and they're terrified, okay? So, you know, it all matters. All of that stuff matters, and and he is a he is a factor in their success. So that's a good segue to uh, you know talking about guys helping out. It's a good segue to 
So I think getting some guys back, you know, which we touched on already. But I, you mentioned Darius Leonard, and I, I think that people forget these last two games. They had some issues on defense, and I don't think we can overstate the fact that you have to consider Darius Leonard to be a factor in that, or the absence of Darius Leonard being right. a factor in that. Uh, I look at the Cleveland game. Now, I thought Okuriki and, and Anthony Walker both played well, and they gave up some plays, but they were very, very well covered. But that being said, I wonder, you have to wonder, Darius Leonard, I think just with the enthusiasm and the spirit that he plays with, if things aren't going well, all right, that guy's just not going to lay down and let it happen. All right, he's going to try to get the, the truck back on the road, and I, I just think that matters. I'm not saying they don't have that in other guys, but they mm-hmm. don't have it at the level that they get it from Darius Darius yeah. Leonard. I mean, Darius. he's just right. I mean, just can't you just see him as being the guy you need at, at a moment when things are going bad? He's he's absolutely a unique football player in a lot of ways. I mean, you asked Matt Eberflus today, like, what have you missed with Darius? Like, we all know he's mm-hmm. a great player, and, and Eberflus didn't hesitate. He said, presence. Like, he's just has a presence on the field. And he said, every day in practice when he's out, you know, they're not just missing him on game days. It's also practice. And this preparation is, is important. And he said, look, like, he's the hardest worker every day in practice. And that matters, too. And, and, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but the juice this guy brings, it matters. He picks everybody up on the defense, a lot like Philip Rivers does from what we've heard on the mm-hmm. offense. So um, Darius getting him back is huge, especially for the stretch run. And I think that's probably why they leaned against holding him out against the Bengals, right? Like, let's just get this completely healed, this groin completely back to 100% because we're going to need this guy against the murderer's row we have coming up in November. But secondly, I want to ask you about this. They get another guy back to the practice yeah. field this week. Now, he's not going to play for a couple of weeks, but Kamoko Toure could be on his way back to this lineup. It's been 13 months. It's been mm. forever. The last time this guy played was Kansas City of last year, before they collapsed in the second half of the season and before so much has changed. I felt like he was ready to break out last year. I felt like that was his best game as a pro. He was all over Patrick Mahomes that night. And his injury got lost in the shuffle of the Colts ran for 130 yards. They beat the Super Bowl champs, you know, all that stuff. Toure went down in the fourth quarter, and and you kind of forgot about it. And he hasn't been out there since. And I think he's the perfect addition to a pass rush that needs to get a little bit better, especially against these great quarterbacks. They're 20th in the league right now in sacks, you know, for a defense that ranks in the top three in every other major category. So that's the one thing they can always get better at. There was one thing they really need to get better at. And if they can get 57 back at a high level, um, I think, you know, he could really change things for this stretch run. So my response to that is, first of all, their edge rush is by far the absolute biggest weakness of their defense. They they need some speed. They need some speed. Yeah. Look at who's rushing from the edge. Okay. Justin Houston is a wonderful player. But Justin Houston is what he is, which is a really physical, bull-rushing type of guy. He wins with power. Right. And and he can, okay? <laughs> he will he will knock the shit out of you, okay? I will tell you that. But that it's, sometimes that's not enough because you can't get there fast enough through doing it that way. So Justin Houston, I hope he... You know, I hope he gives them a lot of production this year and, and has a great season. But we know he is what he is, and he has some limitations when it comes to the speed and athleticism part of his game. Now, 
look at who's rushing from the other side oftentimes. It's Danico Autry. Okay, again, a nice player and very productive player, but definitely much more of a factor against the run and and much more of a, a power rusher who's going to bull rush you than certainly he's not going to run around anybody, right? I mean, he's like 285, I think. So, so that's not going to happen. And then you've got some other guys like, you know, Al-Qadi Muhammad. Certainly he's a role player and really good against the run, a great effort guy. And then I would say Ben Banigou, who I don't know what Ben Banigou does well. <laughs> I right. hate to say that, but he's just kind of like he gives you energy, he gives you effort, but I don't know that he's really good in one particular area. So Tremere that's who's rushing. Set is unique to all of theirs. His stands out. Right. He's six foot five, he's two thirty. He's long, and, and like Reich said yesterday, he's got the bend that's very rare for that position. And they need that. They need speed off the edge. They need bend. And, and they just they, – it's about time they could get a jolt at that position. Yeah. And and I think, you know, to be, to be fair to Komoko, now we should have realistic expectations because I don't know how fast this is going to come. And I think yeah. Frank Reich kind of previewed that a little bit when he said – that no matter what, he's going to have to practice for a couple of weeks. I need to see it. I think uh, Matt Eberflus said the same thing today. He said, I need to evaluate him. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. I need to see those things, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think they have very measured expectations. But the one thing, if he's in shape, and I assume that he will be at some point here, is he, he's, been, he's been on his feet running around for a long time. So, I mean, yeah. cardiovascularly, I think cardiovascularly, I think that's the word. I think he'll be in good shape. You know, football shape, eh, I don't know. But he'll have his wind. Now, what that will enable them to do once he's out there is just play him on third down. Just play him in passing situations. 12 snaps have to play a game to start. Snaps. 15 snaps a game. Right. Yeah. Just have him just to go get the quarterback. Just go get yeah. the quarterback. He's sick him. <laughs> you know, that's what he'll be. And, and I think that's fine. I mean, And that may be what he is this year. Because this is going to be a this is going to be a little bit of a lost year for Kamoko, and that's okay. Uh, I think the long term is really what's most important, right? He's still a young player, but at the same time, that doesn't mean he can't be effective in limited doses. And I think he's the perfect player to play in a situational role this year, and because mm-hmm. there's nobody who can do what he does. So, and that's going to make a big positions difference. that's actually kind of easy to do it at. Right? Yeah. Like there's yeah. not a lot of complication. You just go out there and go get the quarterback, like we just said. And, and I feel like he's a guy that could do that. He's been working with Robert Mathis. Um, he's been on his feet, like you said. I mean, he was working throughout training camp in various different drills. There was still pain in the ankle. That's why they didn't want to rush him back. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to put him out there if there was still pain and he just wasn't ready. But Because uh, he, he looked like he could play. But, yeah. but it, I think the pain was definitely a, a red flag. And we've seen him – do more and more on the side the last couple of weeks. So I feel like he has inched closer. But like you said, it's going to take a couple of weeks, and they want him to prove it on the practice field. But, you know, if you get Kamoko Toure back the second week in November, uh, right before you play the Ravens or right before you play the Titans, you're not going to be mad if you get 10 snaps out of him and if he's 100%. So that's that's going to be a welcomed addition to this defense. And, and like I totally agree with you. That's the one thing this defense makes me worried about is you just need more pass rush. You always need more pass rush, but you need some on third downs, and, and they're just not getting it done in terms of sacks. And and they need to get better in that that area because the escapability of Lamar Jackson, we all know about that. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best ever. And if you don't get to Tannehill, he'll beat you too. So that yeah. is huge when they play these good quarterbacks. 
Yeah, and, and I think, you know, a lot of people are interested right now in the trade deadline and Colts fans are always I mean all fans are like that, but Colts fans are always this way, right? You know, we should make a move, we should do this, we yeah. should do that. Well, you know what? This is your trade deadline move. Get to yeah. Kamoko Ture back. That's yeah. your trade deadline move. And you don't have to and lose you know anything. Take it. <laughs> right. Right. You don't have to give right. up anything. He's yours. Right. <laughs> so it's beautiful. Uh the the other thing there is, uh, as I said, I, I just think in the situations that they're going to want him, uh, he can be one dimensional, and that's fine because that's that's what he's best at anyway. You know what? When it's third and eight, are you playing the run? Hell yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you just running, you're just running out around the edge trying to get that quarterback. And if they run it, they run it. You and didn't that's draft why Darius Leonard. You didn't draft two Ray to play the edge. You didn't draft him to stop the run. You drafted him to go edge. kill quarterbacks. Chuck Right, you want that Chuck Pagano edge setter? Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so it, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I think you know we'll get into the Detroit game later this week when we have our our second episode this week, uh, looking ahead. But uh, I will also, in the meantime, say don't overlook that game. Okay, no, Colts aren't good enough. Okay, <laughs> don't no, and, and Matthew game. Stafford is good enough. He's yes. good enough to beat you. Absolutely. So that's our preview of the next episode, I guess I would say. So, hey, that's the reset for you. I hope it kind of gave you a little clarity on where they stand and uh, gave you some sense of what to look for here down the stretch. It's a long stretch because they got an early bye, but uh, it's about to get cooking here and uh, should be a lot of fun one way or the other. So I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Keeper. Thank you for listening. This is 1%. Fun.